Hey, it's Alan, and I just wanted to let you know that you can now listen to the ongoing history of new music early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Times are good for vinyl records. The format was all but dead until some desperate record store owners invented Record Store Day in 2008. And since then, we've seen double-digit increases in vinyl sales year after year after year. Things are so good that in several countries, the revenue brought in by selling vinyl is greater than the revenue generated by compact disc sales. We haven't seen anything like this since the late 1980s. What's driving this boom? Well, a bunch of things, from audio quality to the ability to display music that you love in your home. Hey, look at how many linear feet my record collection takes up. Not only that, but I've chosen a format that isn't portable and requires me to purchase special equipment to play it. That's how much I love music. Vinyl is also something that you can hold in your hand. Plus, there's the disc itself, the artwork, the liner notes, the lyrics, and all the tactile sensations that go with playing a record. Once you're smitten, it's not hard to move into collecting interesting records. You hit used record stores, go to record shows, and scour sites like Discogs and eBay to fill in the gaps in your vinyl library. And then there's the final leap. You become a hardcore collector and look at vinyl as an investment. You start lusting after records that are insanely rare and very valuable and, of course, very expensive. These records cost hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands, and in a couple of very special cases, hundreds of thousands of dollars. What are these records? Where can you find them? What's it going to cost me? This is a tour through some very valuable vinyl. And hey, maybe one of these records is near your music library right now. This is the Ongoing History of New Music podcast with Alan Cross. From 1981, a Boston band called The Tweeds with I Need That Record. And by the time this show is over, you may find yourself needing some of the vinyl that we're going to talk about. Hello again, I'm Alan Cross, and I've compiled a, well, let's call it a wish list of records that I will never be able to afford. Heck, even if I could, I'd have a miserable time trying to find them. But then again, the chase is all part of the game. I have a top 10 list of the world's most expensive vinyl at the time I put this show together. We'll count things down, plus weave in some stories about other collectibles that are also worth a substantial amount. First, though, what makes a vinyl record collectible? Well, first of all, it has to be very rare. 
And second, it has to be in demand. You might have the only copy of so-and-so's first 7-inch single, but if no one else wants it, it's worth nothing. Here's number 10 on our countdown list of our most valuable vinyl. In 1965, Frank Wilson recorded a song called Do I Love You, Indeed I Do, and it's the only track he recorded for Motown. About 250 copies of the demo were pressed up because neither Wilson nor Motown head Barry Gordy thought that the demo was any good. Those 250 records were destroyed, except maybe between two and at most five copies. Many years later, the song became a hit with fans of Northern Soul, a scene in part of England. These were people who loved American R&B, and the more rare, the better. And this Frank Wilson song fit the bill perfectly. In 2009, one of these super rare 7-inch singles changed hands for 25,742 pounds. That's $31,637 American or 43,197 Canadian for a single seven-inch record. So that's number 10 on our all-time most valuable vinyl list. Now for a random rare record. U2 has sold well over 100 million records in their career, and there are a few super collectibles among them. If we go back to 1984, the band issued a translucent 45 RPM 12-inch single for Pride in the Name of Love in Australia through a subsidiary label of Island Records called Festival. Pride takes up all of side one, while side B features two versions of a song called Boomerang and another entitled Fourth of July. Only about 50 copies of this 12-inch were pressed. It's not known how many of these singles still exist today, but when they do come to market, which isn't very often, they've been known to sell for around 9,000 US dollars, which works out to about 12,000 Canadian. So obviously I can't afford that, so let's just pretend that this is on translucent Australian vinyl. Number nine on our list of the all-time most valuable vinyl isn't on vinyl at all. It's a super rare 78 RPM record by Tommy Johnson called Alcohol and Jake Blues. When this was released on the Paramount label in 1930, we were still using shellac to make records. They were very brittle and it could smash like China, even if you just looked at it wrong. There was a small but dedicated community of people who trade in these old blues records. In 2009, this record sold for $37,000 US. That's just over 50,000 Canadian. Let's have a listen. This is a little more contemporary. When the White Stripes were still finding their sound, they pressed a 7-inch single for a song called Lafayette Blues. It was back with a track called Sugar Never Tasted So Good. This was on an obscure indie label called Italy Records. Three things make this single extremely valuable. First of all, the cover was hand-painted by Dave Buick, the founder of the label. Second, the vinyl was a red and white swirl, whereas other versions were black, red, or white. And third, there weren't many of these records pressed because they were only meant to be sold at the record release party for this single in Detroit 
on October 23, 1998. Had you been there, you would have been able to buy up one of these 15 copies in existence for about $6 at the merch table. Today, one of those records can change hands for more than $12,000. A highly desired white stripe 7-inch, but only if you have one of the 15 red and white swirl versions with the hand-painted artwork. Number eight on our list of the all-time most collectible vinyl records isn't really that old. In 1996, a record by someone going by the name of Caustic Window finished a self-titled album. This was actually Electro Dance Guy, the Aphex Twin. As few as five test pressings were made before its release was canceled. Over the years, those test pressings have popped up for sale. In the late 90s, a copy sold for 13,000 U.S. In 2014, another copy showed up for sale for 13,500 U.S. In that case, a group of electronic musicians set up a Kickstarter project to raise money to buy the album and then release it digitally. By this time, the Aphex Twin was legendary in these musical circles. That Kickstarter campaign raised $47,000, and once that happened, Marcus Pearson, the creator of Minecraft, bought the physical copy in an eBay auction, and he paid $46,300. That money was then divided up between the Aphex Twin, the contributors to the Kickstarter campaign, and Doctors Without Borders. Here's a sample from that record. I do not have the $46,300 version of that record, so let's just uh, move on to something else. Here's another random example of a collectible record. On June 15th, 1989, the first Nirvana record came out. It was called Bleach. The band was a completely non-entity at the time, recording for the perpetually broke sub-pop records out of Seattle. Only a thousand copies of the original vinyl version were pressed up, and these records were white. If you were lucky enough to get your hands on one of those first original pressings today, you'd expect to pay as much as $5,500 for a copy in mint condition. But better yet, if you had been a member of the Sub Pop Singles Club, this was a club where the label mailed you a 7-inch single every month, a random 7-inch single, you had no idea what you were going to get, you might have received something that appreciated even more. This was the very first release through the Singles Club. They were all mailed out on November 1st, 1989. The one you really want is one of the 1,000 copies hand-numbered in red pen on the white center label. An additional 200 that were not numbered probably ended up as promo copies at radio stations and music magazines. Now, there are a lot of counterfeits out there, so look at the dead wax, which is that space between where the grooves of the record run out and the label at the center. If it has an inscription, why don't you trade those guitars for shovels, you may very well have something worth in the neighborhood of... $10,000. Back with more stories of valuable vinyl in just a sec. This is an episode called Valuable Vinyl. I have the top 10 most expensive collectible records of all time. And I'm also weaving in stories of other records for which some people would exchange a kidney. Record number seven on the top 10 list is a real holy grail. 
It's a demo by the Beatles recorded as an audition for EMI Records. This is the first record featuring the Beatles as we would know them. It's a 10-inch acetate, a test pressing in other words, and is a one-of-a-kind thing featuring Hello Little Girl on the A side and Till There Was You on the B side. The titles were written in blue pen by Brian Epstein, the Beatles manager. Hello Little Girl is credited to Paul McCartney and the Beatles, while the other side reads John Lennon and the Beatles. Gotta keep things fair, I guess. This record disappeared for decades until it was found in the attic of one Les McGuire, the keyboardist of fellow Liverpudlian band Jerry and the Pacemakers. He sold it in March 2016 for 77,500 pounds, which works out to 95,000 American and 130,000 Canadian. There's another ultra-rare Beatles record from 1958 when John Lennon, Paul McCartney, and George Harrison, along with pianist John Lowe and drummer Colin Hanton, popped into the home of Percy Phillips, a guy who made down-and-dirty recordings for anybody in the front room of his house. The result was a two-sided 78 RPM disc with Buddy Holly's That'll Be the Day on side one and the first-ever Lennon-McCartney recording on the other, in spite of all the danger. We think that this record would be worth at least £100,000 if it ever came up for sale, but that's never going to happen because the guy who owns it is Paul McCartney. Let's have a listen. Here's another first-time effort that trades hands for a lot of money. It's an original copy of the debut EP from Joy Division, released in June 1978. Four tracks released on the band's own label in a lot of 1,000 copies. At the time this record was made, Joy Division was still going by their original name, which was Warsaw. But by the time the record came out, they'd adopted Joy Division. Should you find a copy in pristine condition, you would be faced with the decision of paying up to $12,000 for the privilege of owning it. This is side one, track one, Leaders of Men. Valuable vinyl record number six on our survey is another Beatles release. In 1966, they issued The Beatles Yesterday and Today, an album where the original artwork featured the Beatles posing with some headless baby dolls and a bunch of raw meat. This is the infamous Butcher cover. Now, why would a clean-cut band like the Beatles do something like this? Well, the photo was supposed to be part of a collection taken by photographer Robert Whitaker. Second, it was the Beatles' way of protesting the Vietnam War. And third, it may have been a dig at EMI, their record label, for the way it butchered the Beatles' UK albums for release in North America. Whatever the case, a limited number of albums actually were sent to stores. When they opened the box and saw the artwork, record store owners were appalled. Capitol Records, the band's American record label, immediately recalled all 60,000 albums that had been sent out. An additional 750,000 records in warehouses were held back. A new photo was chosen for the cover, which featured the Beatles sitting around a steamer trunk looking rather annoyed. Of course, not all Butcher cover albums made it back to the label, and many of the ones that did simply had the new cover pasted on top of the old one and then sent out again. 
This new cover could be removed by carefully steaming the jacket and peeling off the new cover to reveal what was underneath. I actually have one of those in my collection. It's not a very good shape. Whoever peeled off the new cover didn't do a very good job. But to me, it's better than nothing. I also have a Japanese bootleg of the Butcher version, which looks a lot better, but of course, it's not the real thing. If you have a sealed copy of the original Butcher version and everything else about that record is in mint condition, you have something that could be worth $125,000. And in case you're wondering how much I paid for my stripped copy, 250 US. Here's another from the archives. In 1979, a new band called The Cure released a 7-inch in France for Killing an Arab on the A-side, just like they did in the UK. However, the B-side was different on about 100 promo copies. In England, that B-side was 10:15 Saturday night. But in France, and just for these specific 100 promo copies, was a cover of the Jimi Hendrix classic Foxy Lady. If you can find one of those 100 records, expect to pay about $2,000. And here it is. Oh, uh, and no, that, that's not Robert Smith on vocals. That's Michael Dempsey, the Cure's original bass player. The Cure and Foxy Lady. Yeah, the Jimi Hendrix song. One of the very, very few occasions where someone other than Robert Smith handled lead vocals. All right, back to our master list of the most valuable pieces of vinyl in the known universe. This is number five in our countdown. And God, what an amazing historical artifact this is. On July 18th, 1953, a young truck driver dropped into Sun Studios in Memphis to record himself singing a song for his mother. This would be her birthday present. Side one featured a song called That's When Your Heartache Begins, and on the other, My Happiness. These were the first recordings ever by Elvis Presley. And based on that recording, Sam Phillips, the head of the studio, helped Elvis to become, well, Elvis. And you can make the argument that this is the record from which all rock and roll flowed. We know exactly where this record lives. Jack White bought it for $305,000 U.S., You'll keep it safe. Evening shadows make me blue When each weary day is through How I long to be Elvis Presley's first ever recording from July 18, 1953, a one-of-a-kind thing that's now in the possession of Jack White. He's digitized it and re-released it through Third Man Records, so the entire world can hear it. Here's one from our parallel list. In 1974, David Bowie released his Diamond Dogs album. The cover featured a painting of Bowie with a Ziggy Stardust-like haircut. And Bowie is depicted as half-man, half-dog, complete with a prominent set of um, dog junk, something that was just too outrageous for some. An unknown number of copies were sold before RCA, Bowie's label, put an end to that by airbrushing out the dog junk. However, an original, unairbrushed version of the album from 1974 has become one of the most sought-after Bowie collectibles of all time. I've seen copies go for up to 10,000 US. This is from that album.
More ultra-rare and very valuable vinyl coming up. Here are the last few ultra-rare and thus extremely expensive vinyl records in the world. Number four on the master list is an original 1967 pressing of the Beatles' Sgt. Pepper album, autographed by all four members. It has to be on the original Parlophone label and must be the mono version of the album. The last time one of these went out for auction was in 2013, and it sold for $290,000. And that's still not an all-time high for a Beatles album, but we'll get to that in a bit. First, though, here's a story of why you should go to garage sales. In 2002, a man from Montreal named Warren Hill was wandering through the Chelsea neighborhood of New York when he found a box of records for sale at a flea market. Flipping through them, he found something unusual. It appeared to be an acetate, a test pressing, credited to the Velvet Underground, and he happily paid the 75 cents the vendor was asking. When he got home, Warren did a little research. What he had bought was one of only two copies of this test pressing. It featured the Velvet Underground recording some demos at Scepter Studios in New York on April the 25th, 1966. These two acetates were circulated among some record company types, all of whom passed on signing the band. Eventually, the Velvet signed with Verve label, re-recorded everything they'd done to that point, and completely forgot about those two acetates. Our man from Montreal knew that he had something special, and he put it up for auction on eBay. And the winning bid? $25,200. Since then, this record has been carefully digitized so we can all hear it. This is the Scepter Sessions version of Waiting for the Man. Here's number three on our countdown of the most valuable and therefore most expensive vinyl records of all time. If you have a copy of the Beatles' White Album, it may have come with a serial number embossed on the front. I have two copies of the record. The first one has no serial number at all, some kind of reissue. But a later reissue is number 9040824. Since EMI used a sequential numbering system back when the album first came out in 1968, it stands to reason that someone must have a copy with the serial number 00000001, right? Correct. And who might have that record? Probably one of the Beatles. Again, correct. And that Beatle was Ringo. His serial number on his White Album was 0000001. In 2015, he sold his copy, which, by the way, was in perfect condition. He sold it at auction, with proceeds going to his own charity, the Lotus Foundation. The final price for this record? $790,000 U.S. dollars, an all-time record back then. However, it did not hold that record for long. We still have two more records to go, and here's number two. John Lennon was assassinated on December 8, 1980. The shooter, of course, was Mark David Chapman. Before he killed Lennon, Chapman hung around the Dakota, Lennon's New York apartment, with a copy of John and Yoko's just-released album, Double Fantasy. When Lennon came out, this is around 5 p.m. on December the 8th, with Lennon headed out to a recording studio, Chapman stopped him and got him to autograph that record. This could very well be the last autograph Lennon ever signed. It has both Chapman's and Lennon's fingerprints on it. Five hours later, Chapman would return to the Dakota and shot Lennon four times. In the chaos that followed, Chapman left the record in one of the planters on either side of the door of the Dakota. 
Someone eventually found it sitting there and took it. Whoever that person was left it under his bed for 18 years. The cover features Lennon's signature in black marker, along with some police evidence markings. Eventually, this guy, whoever he was, put it up for sale in 1998, and it sold for $150,000. It was since resold for $520,000, and it was resold again in November 2020, this time for $900,000, which is a lot of money to spend for a record. In fact, it is the most expensive piece of vinyl in the whole universe, and it is only exceeded by a compact disc. And we have to mention this, even though we're supposed to be talking just about vinyl. And that CD is Once Upon a Time in Shaolin from Wu-Tang Clan. They made this record over six years before unveiling it in 2015. There is just one copy. Call it an art project, a statement about how music has become so dispensable. They then put it up for auction in 2015 with the stipulation that whoever bought it could not exploit the album for commercial purposes for a period of 88 years. So that would be the year 2103. There is, however, a clause in the contract that reads like this. The buying party also agrees that at any time during the stipulated 88-year period, the seller may legally plan and attempt to execute one heist or caper to steal back Once Upon a Time in Shaolin, which, if successful, would return all ownership rights to the seller. Said heist or caper can only be undertaken by currently active members of the Wu-Tang Clan and or actor Bill Murray with no legal repercussions. At auction, this CD sold for $2 million U.S. dollars. And the buyer ended up being disgraced farmer bro Martin Schrickelli, the guy who became famous, or infamous, I guess, by hiking the price of an anti-HIV drug by 5,000% just because he could. However, he was later arrested on securities fraud charges. He was fined, sent to jail, and much of his property confiscated. And that included this $2 million CD, which became the property of the U.S. government. The government eventually sold this CD to an NFT company for $4 million. And that makes this the most expensive album in history. Let's wrap up with something more reasonable, relatively speaking, of course. In early 1977, the Sex Pistols were the most outrageous band in the U.K., after being dropped by EMI Records because of their bad behavior, they were picked up by A&M Records. And that deal lasted for a total of five days. But then, in that interim, other artists on A&M rebelled, saying that they would not be on the same label as these yabos. Management caved to the pressure and dropped the band after, like I said, five days. But not before pressing up a large allotment of the single. When that contract was terminated... A&M ordered the pressing plant to destroy any and all copies of the God Save the Queen 7-inch that had been pressed up on A&M records. I think there were about 25,000 of them. And the record plant people did what they were told. Mostly. An unknown number of copies leaked and have been trading on the collectibles market ever since. Members of the band have even been known to sell off a copy or two to raise some extra cash from time to time. So how much is one of these records worth? Depends on the year, but the highest price I've seen is just over $22,000. The Sex Pistols. If you have a copy of that 7-inch on A&M and it's in good condition, you can sell it and receive enough money to buy a brand new compact car.
I hope you enjoyed this look at insanely expensive records. As time goes on, the records that we've talked about will probably continue to increase in value. But unfortunately, if you didn't get in on the ground floor, it's, it's really hard to look at these items as proper investments. Still, wouldn't it be cool to pull some of these records off the shelf to impress your friends? There are hundreds of ongoing history podcasts to choose from. The universe is quite large. Download them all. Collect the whole set. It's all free. Check out my website, ajournalofmusicalthings.com, for daily music news and analysis. Get the daily newsletter. It's also free. And send all email to alan at alancross.ca. Technical Productions by Rob Johnston. Talk soon. I'm Alan Cross. You've been listening to the Ongoing History of New Music podcast with Alan Cross. Subscribe to the podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and everywhere you find your favorite podcasts.